Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Last time we were together in Mark 4, we were considering Jesus' teaching in the parable of the seed and of the sower. We might actually more accurately call it the parable of the soils, because it's not really about the the sower, nor was it even actually about the different types of seeds, nor was it about the things that sprung up that threatened uh, the, the capacity of those seeds to grow and to bear fruit. But what it was actually about were the types of soil. So it is the parable of the soils, if we're going to be more accurate to it. And in that, we learned about the numerous reasons why the seed of the Word of God might fail to bear fruit in one's life, and there are indeed many reasons. Yet, as I said, the purpose, the focus, the objective of Jesus' warnings were not about the things themselves, not about uh, the devil snatching the Word of God, not about the persecutions and trials uh, that would um, dry up that, that rootless or that shallow-rooted seed, nor about the thorns of the cares of this world and the desire of riches that would choke out the things of the Word of God from the heart of someone who was inclined unto them. Rather, Jesus' focus was actually on the heart itself teaching us that had the heart of those hearers been good soil, then none of those things, be it Satan or persecution or worldly cares, would have been able to stop the seed of the word of God from bearing its fruit. And this week we pick up right from that spot. And the objective this week is to consider those things that Jesus taught to those whose hearts were indeed ready to hear. Now, last time Jesus warned that we should be ready to hear, this time we read about why it is in fact important that we be people ready to hear. We ought to have the heart, uh, the, the soil of our heart prepared to receive. Why is it so important that we do so? That we have our hearts, the soil of our hearts, ready to receive. We begin reading in Mark chapter 4, verse 21 after that parable of the soils. And the Bible says this in verses 21 to 23. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there's nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither is there anything, was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the first parable that Mark records within the context of hearing is a parable of warning and of exhortation. Unto those who have ears to hear, Jesus asks a very specific, a very particular question. Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed? Now, the natural answer to that question is no. You don't light a candle. You don't bring a candle into the room so that you can put it in a place where it cannot shine. There's no sense unless you're one of my children and you have a flashlight and you just want to burn out the batteries so daddy has to buy more batteries for you. Uh, There's no other reason why you would take some candle and put it under a bed so that it can just burn there. It's not not doing any good there, right? It's not not doing any good if it's under a bed. If a flashlight is under a bed on children, it's not doing anyone any good, right? And so we, we have the natural answer to this question. No, of course not. You set it up high. You put it somewhere where it can offer light to the house. Now, many of us are very familiar with this statement of putting a candle under a bushel as an exhortation that we would not allow our light to be hidden. And the reason why we're most familiar with that idea as it relates to the the candle being put under a bushel or under a bed versus on a candlestick is because the most familiar passage that uses this illustration is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. There, in verses 13 through 16, we read this. Jesus says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if that salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus calls his disciples the light of the world. And then within this context of that illustration, he states that men who light a candle do not simply hide it under a bushel, but rather they put it on a candlestick so that it may give light to all that are in the room. And then Jesus in verse 16 gives the direct application to this 
illustration. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So in Matthew chapter five, there's no ambiguity about what Jesus is saying. You have been given the light of truth. You are called by God to carry that light into the world. And as you live out that light, you, you are called to live it out publicly, to live it out in an unashamed manner, to live it out apologetically. And as you do these things, as you live out this light, that then you give to others and they can orient themselves properly to where they are, to the position that they're in in life, to the circumstances that they're facing, because you have given them light and then, Lord willing, that light will shine into their hearts and they too will come to that light. And you and I are called to shine that light, not hide that light, because a hidden light is a useless light. A vibrant light gives light not just to themselves, but to those that are around them. So let your light shine. But as we walk through this application in Matthew, let me ask you, did you read any of that in Mark? Because I didn't. Let's read it again. And he said unto them, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested Neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. This is not the same parable. This is not the same teaching. It's the same illustration. But this is a very different lesson. It's a different conclusion. And that's okay. A teacher can use the same illustration to teach two different things. That's okay. Right? First off, a teacher can teach the same thing in two different occasions, and that's okay. We talk about that as far as Jesus' teachings, right? That, that, that we, we see a time where Jesus is teaching something, and then we see another time in another gospel where Jesus is teaching the same thing, and we say, aha, it must be the same thing. It must be the same time. It doesn't have to be the same time. Jesus could actually say the same thing in two different places in his ministry. In three and a half years, you have heard me say the same thing twice, at least a couple of times. But also, a person can take the same illustration and use it to teach two different lessons. Jesus can talk about a candle on a candlestick, and he can be talking about his people letting their light shine. And Jesus could also talk about a candle on a candlestick and talk about something else. And here we do, in fact, see Jesus talking about something else. Whereas in Matthew 5, Jesus uses the purpose of a candle to exhort his disciples to shine their light. In Mark 4, Jesus uses the purpose of a candle, namely to shine, to warn about the light that he is the son of God was shining into the world, to warn about what happens if you do not accept the light. So in other words, in this parable, you're not the light. In this parable, the word of God is the light. In that parable in Matthew 5, he says, ye are the light of the world. In this parable, it's right after Jesus talks about receiving the word of God. And now he's talking about a candle that is lit and what happens if a person does not receive that light. So now he's warning us that as that light shines, what, where is that light landing? In other words, as the seed is sown, unto what kind of soil is it falling? And that's the warning. Jesus here does not liken his disciples to lights. Jesus here does not exhort his disciples to shine. Jesus asks a question. What is a candle meant to do? Is it meant to be put under a bushel? No. Under a bed? No. It's meant to be put on a candlestick. Candles are lit to enlighten that which is around them. And then the objective, the point, the warning, and the warning is this that nothing is hid that shall not be made manifest. That as the light shines, it's going to shine on you, on your actions, on your thoughts, on your intents. Are you willing to let it shine on you and to listen to what it's revealing, to acknowledge what it's revealing? The warning is about the nature of light itself. Light exposes darkness. Light reveals that which is hidden. And Jesus has come both as the word of God and the light of the world so that as the word goes forth from his mouth, from the mouth of his apostles, and then through the word of God as we have it today, 
It functions in society and in hearts as light, exposing the darkness, allowing nothing to be hid that shall not be made known until the day, and we'll see this in a couple of, of, of verses later, until the day when we are all fully exposed on the day of judgment. Why is it so important that we have the soil of our heart ready to receive the word of God? Well, because nothing remains hidden, Christian. We talked about that this morning, right? That God is God, whether we acknowledge him or not. And there's coming a day where every knee will bow, where every tongue will confess, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we accept it or not. It doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change what he's going to do. So Jesus says here, make sure the heart, the, 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 the soil of your heart is receptive. You want it to bear good fruit. Why? Because light reveals darkness. Because there's coming a time when things will be made known and you won't be able to hide whether or not you've borne fruit. Maybe right now you're hiding very well whether or not you've actually borne fruit. You're pretending really well. You're trying to get something out of someone or you're trying to get something uh, out of a relationship with this church or you're trying to get something out of Pastor Wickler or you're, you're, you're trying to get some sort of validation from family or from friend or whatever it might be. And so you are playing the game and you're doing your best to play the game and, and that might work for the years on this earth. But when that light fully shines, nothing is hid that will not be made manifest. Why is it so important that you hear? Because nothing remains hidden. Why is it so important that the soil of your heart is actually receiving? Because nothing remains hidden. Why is it so important that, that your, your heart, that the seed of the word of God bears the fruit of, of faith in your heart and in your life? Because nothing remains hidden. The word of God is light. It will expose the darkness. It will expose the secrets in our hearts. And we don't want that darkness in our hearts. We want that darkness exposed. We want that darkness cleansed. Because if we do not expose it and cleanse it now, we can rest assured there's still coming a day when it will be exposed. And on that day, God will judge the hearts of men. So that as a man identifies the word of God as the word of life, as the light that is Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The way by which we learn and understand God's way, the way of life. We then bear our responsibility to do something with that. And within that parable, those men, particularly those that received the word of God with gladness, but then the sun came out and their roots were shallow and the persecutions and the trials came and it snuffed out their their seed. Or that man who gladly received the word of God and its roots went down, but then the thorns grew up and the, the cares and the love and the riches of this world came and, and, and snuffed out that seed. And those men walked away saying, I, I love the things of this world more than the things of the word of God. Or I desire comfort, acceptance uh, above the things of the word of God. And Jesus says, the reason why it's so important to be that soil that is ready to receive is because those people, even though they said, you know, the word of God is not for me, the truths of God are not for me, the cares of this world are more important, uh, the desire to be persecuted is more important, that doesn't change the fact that they're going to be accountable for the seed and what it did in their hearts. That it landed in their hearts. And this is so important for us to understand, Christian. You and I are not responsible for what the Word of God does in our hearts. The Word of God is going to do a little something different in the heart of every single person that receives it, it because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's going to land in your, in your heart, and it's going to bear fruit, and it's going to bear fruit in, in, in manifold and multitudes of ways through experiences and, and, and things which will be different from the way it will in my heart, though they'll bear a resemblance. But we are responsible to identify the authority of the word of God and then to position our hearts as ready soil to receive it, to allow it to bear whatever fruit God has ordained for it to bear and to change me in whatever ways God wills for it to change me. And 
we recognize that the Word of God itself is not the direct agent of change in the Christian life. The Word of God is a seed that enters your heart. And whether or not it will accomplish its promised purpose is rooted in one thing and one thing alone. Whether your heart is submitted. So your job is to make sure your heart is willing to listen. The Word of God comes and it, it plant, implants itself in our hearts and then the Spirit of God blossoms it in accordance with our faith. And when your heart is submitted, again, you don't get to choose how the Word of God will bear fruit. You don't get to choose what it will expose in your life and ask you to yield to the Lord. But what you choose is whether or not to allow the light of God's word to pierce into the darkness, knowing that when it does, it will expose, and then eventually, if you submit to it, cleanse that darkness. And if that is what you want, then you must position your heart to receive it. That's what you must do. You must make sure that the soil of your heart is positioned be good soil for the word of God to implant and to grow and to bear fruit. And if, that, if, if your heart has good soil, you will receive it. It will bear fruit and you will be changed. You will be what the Lord desires you to be so that we should all want this. Because if the word of God does not expose and cleanse my darkness today, I can rest assured there is coming a day when that exposure will indeed happen on much, other, on much different terms. And again, we'll talk about that in, in point number three. So reason number one is to why it is hearing is so important. Jesus says, a candle is put on a candlestick and he warns as he calls this idea, as he speaks to this, take heed what ye hear with what measure, uh, um, no, no, we're not there yet. And he warns that there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither is there anything kept secret, but that it should, become, that it should come abroad. Because the day will reveal it. Okay, point number two. This is why I, uh, I was just about to read here. Verses 24 and 25. And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. Notice we're still on the same theme. What are you hearing? With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. So Jesus gives another parable. And again, this parable is very similar to something that we read in the Sermon on the Mount. This time, Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus says in verses one and two, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus' instruction is clear. Don't judge, lest you be judged. And we know that this, means you, this does not mean you cannot judge at all. This is setting a condition upon which we judge. We are called to judge righteous judgments. And we did an entire Tuesday series on that and the various aspects of what it means to judge righteous judgment. Jesus gives this warning based upon the indelible principle that is written in the heavens, however. And this principle applies not just to judgment, but it applies to numerous aspects of the Christian life. Namely, that with what measure I meet, it will be meted to me again. And this is the idea that we see here in this other context. So it's true about judgment that in the manner that I judge others, I will be judged as well so that I need to judge fearfully. That was one of our points, right? Back in the day. We judge with fear because we recognize that in doing so, that God will also treat me in the manner that I am judging another. And so I need to be, make sure that, that, that my judgment is just, that it is done in a manner that is right, that it is the word of God that is doing the judging and not actually me, right? Those, all those things. But then this principle of what, with what measure I meet, it shall be meted is also a principle for other aspects of the Christian life. So in Mark chapter four, Jesus uses the principle to speak of how we hear. Jesus says to take heed how you hear, Take heed what you hear in this, in this uh, context because the amount that you hear will be given back to you. And the amount that you refuse to hear will also be given back to you. We've talked about this before, that darkness begets darkness and light begets light. 
And you've seen this happen in someone's heart before. I'm sure you have. If you've lived the Christian life long enough to where a person, for whatever reason, they choose uh, in a particular aspect of their Christian life to stop their ears. They get themselves into a situation and they have a desire for themselves in that situation and the word of God contradicts them. So they go to the ends of the earth to find that person who's teaching that the word of God says what they're doing is okay. And they stop their ears to the clear truths of the word of God. And then what do you find? It's like a snowball. Darkness begets darkness. They step into darkness and that begets more darkness. And if they stubbornly hold on to that, then they, they get deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkness. This is the idea. With what measure ye meet, it shall be meted to you. Going back to the seed and the soil illustration, we might say the amount of ready soil that you have will determine how much seed is able to take root and bear itself in your life. If I leave most of my soil as rocky soil and weedy soil, then most of the word will not bear fruit. It may be that the word of God may be bearing fruit in one area of your life, but it cannot bear fruit in others because you have stopped your heart. Because that area of your heart is rocky soil. Because that area of your heart is, is, is shallow soil. Because that area of your heart is completely hardened. And so you can only bear so much fruit. Whereas if I leave most of my soil plowed and, and prepared, then most of the word will bear good fruit. And this leads to the second reason why hearing is so important. First, because nothing remains hidden. Second, because what is given must first be received. Christian, you will receive nothing from the Lord, but that it falls upon the soil of a heart that is ready to receive it. God will not brute force himself into your heart. Now, God may go to extra lengths to bring you to the place where your heart is ready to receive. He might bring you utterly to your knees. He might have to uh, go pretty far in one particular way, shape, or form as a means by which to draw you to the place where you're finally ready to listen. But he will not brute force himself into your heart. He will, he will bring you to the place where you finally prepare your heart and then you receive. But you will receive nothing from the Lord, but that it falls upon the heart of uh, the soil of a heart that's ready to receive. The soil of a heart of faith. The soil of a heart that's willing to regard its truths, to receive its light, to hold those truths above the threat of persecution, above the threat of loss, above the rewards or the cares of this world. Only that seed will bear fruit. We know that. And only the seeds that bear fruit have value in our lives unto righteousness. Christian, you can come here every week and you can have seeds planted into your heart of the Word of God. You can read your Bible daily. You can listen to preaching on your way to work. You can read devotionals. But if the truths of the word of God are not falling upon soil that is cleared from the elements of this world that are yielded to the truths of the word of God that are ready to receive with gladness and to take whatever steps are necessary to obey that which the word of God is compelling you, then what good is it? It's falling upon soil that will simply snatch it away. And the idea of faith is that I invest so heavily in the truths of Scripture that not the devil, not persecution, and not the promises of this life are going to stand between me and those truths, between me and their implications, between me and them working themselves out in my life. You have to set aside yourself. In my prayer this evening, I quoted from Psalm 139, the last two verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the heart of a man who is ready to receive God's truth. If the word of God does not fall upon that soil, it does not bear fruit. It is the very definition of fruitless. And of course, the solution to this, the solution to a fruitless endeavor as it relates to the, the word of God is not to say, well, okay, you're saying church is fruitless, pastor, if I don't come ready, so I'll just stop coming. 
Well, you say Bible reading is fruitless, Pastor, if I do it with, with, with a heart that's not prepared, so I guess I'll just not read my Bible. Wrong, wrong response, right? The whole point of Mark 4 is the opposite. If, you're not, if it's not bearing fruit, fix the soil. Fix the soil, Christian. Have ears to hear. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. Pull out the weeds. Clear the rocks. Till it up. Prepare it to receive with gladness the word of God. And then once it's prepared, you will receive with gladness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So take heed what you hear, Christian. Because with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. To the extent that you are willing to prepare your, the, the soil of your heart to receive, to that extent, you will receive. The word of God will not bear fruit if you don't allow it to be planted. The word of God will also not bear fruit if it's planted in bad soil. More is given, but only to those whose hearts are prepared to receive. If you don't learn lesson one, God isn't going to get you to lesson two. If the, heart, if, if the soil of your heart is not ready, then the word of God is not going to bear fruit. You can't cheat that system. And all the more so, take this warning to heart that if you willingly reject what you have been given, if the word of God has again and again and again fallen upon your heart and your heart is again and again and again that stony ground, that rocky ground, uh, that, that shallow ground, that thorny ground, then don't be surprised when it's taken away. Don't be surprised when again and again and again it falls on your heart and again and again and again, you don't change. Nothing happens. You leave the same man you entered from the church to your Bible reading to whatever it is. You leave the same man. You may even be determined to leave the same man. Well, if you're determined to, don't be surprised when you do leave the same man. And here's the real, the real scary part. And that, this is going to lead us to point number three. If you again and again and again reject the sowing of the seed of the word of God so that we see the reality of this idea that, from, that, that he that hath not from him it shall be taken away, who's to say whether or not the great sower of the seed will ever again sow that seed into your heart? If you are perpetually rejecting it, if you are perpetually refusing to make the soil of your heart ready to receive, God is under no obligation to sow his seed again. And that leads us to the third parable, verses 26 to 29. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that, the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So Jesus says in this one, so is the kingdom of God. He is describing in this one the nature, the character of the kingdom of God. And that's what we've been describing from the beginning here. We are describing the various aspects of the character of the kingdom of God. One of the principles of the, uh, of the character of the kingdom of God is that light shines, and when it shines, it exposes. One of the principles of the character of the kingdom of God is that when you meet, it will be measured unto you. And if you refuse, that, that things can be taken away, even what you thought you had. And we've all seen that before. Now we get another element of the character of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is as if a man cast seed into the ground and he lived life. He awakes and he goes to sleep. And as he's living this life and he's doing his things, he begins to see that, that, that uh, seeds sprout up and he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know how. To be quite honest, the working of the word of God in the heart of a man is a mystery. Its timing is a mystery. Its manner is a mystery. And how it springs up, it's all a mystery. God has not seen fit to tell us all of that. Jesus said in John chapter three, the wind blows where it lists. 
We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. So is the Spirit of God. We can't see it. We can only see its effects. There's a great amount of mystery as it relates to the various aspects of spirituality and of the kingdom. But this seed springs up and it grows. Man doesn't know how. It's a miracle of God. And this life springs forth from a seed and it grows and it bears fruit. We don't exactly know what it is about the word of God that is able to pierce us the way it does, save that we know the spirit of God is in it. I don't pretend to understand how it is that I can get up here and I can say things from the word of God and they can have such an impact in hearts. I don't understand how it is that I can preach a message and I can walk away and I was really tired that day and I felt like I was going in 10,000 directions and I didn't even understand what I was saying. And yet someone can come up to me and say, that message was really powerful, Pastor. Because it's not about me. It's not even about how eloquent I am. It's about the capacity of the word of God to do its work in the hearts of men. And we don't understand that. Because the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself and the word of God brings forth fruit of itself. See, it's not about you bringing forth anything in you, Christian. It's about your, the soil of your heart being good. And if the soil of your heart is good, the word of God is going to spring forth and do things that you won't even understand in your life. You won't know how it happened. You don't know how you changed, but you changed. Only if your heart is ready to receive it. But then it bears the full fruit. Springs up and it grows. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. But that's actually all bringing us to a point. That's not the point of the parable. That's Jesus describing the nature of the growth process. The point of the parable is right at the end here. He says, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he, that would be this man that planted the seed in the ground, putteth in the sickle because the harvest is come. When the kingdom of God has borne full fruit, the sower puts the sickle to the fruit because it's harvest time. And that leads us to the third reason why hearing is so important. Hearing is so important because a day of harvest is inevitable, Christian. Throughout the first two points, we have alluded to the fact that we do not allow the seed of the word, that if we do not allow the seed of the word of God to bear fruit in our lives, that doesn't mean we aren't accountable still because there is coming a day of harvest. That first point, nothing remains hidden. And as we recognize that nothing remains hidden, it alludes to that day of harvest. It alludes to that day of judgment. But then we see this idea that once the, the, the word of God, uh, once, once the word of God springs forth and it bears its full fruit, there's coming a day where the fullness of everything will be grown. And on that day, there will be a harvest. And we do not know when it is within the, 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 the scope of history that God determines that the fullness of the harvest is ready to be reaped. But on that day, the reaping happens. And if your stalk is this tall, that's how tall it is. And if everyone else's stock is this tall, the harvest is still happening. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get it. If, if you're one of the stocks that's simply not bearing full fruit, if it's harvest time, it's harvest time. Say, my, well, my stock only has two ears of corn. It's harvest time. And this is the idea. There's coming a day, Christian, when God will harvest his kingdom. We seek unto the fruit of the word of God, not simply because what is given must first be received, not simply because nothing remains hidden, but also because there's coming a day of accountability and there is a time limit on these things. Whether that time limit is the Lord coming in his kingdom or whether that time limit is our lives of which we are not guaranteed one more day. There is a time limit on the, on the fruit bearing process. And on that day, we will answer. We will answer for what we have heard. And when we answer for whether or not our hearts were receptive to the word of God, we'll answer. We have no control over when that day is. 
That day, for one whose heart is rocky soil or thorny soil or wayside soil will be a day of sorrow, will be a day of fear. But the harvest is coming, Christian. The day of judgment is not delayed. The very moment that that harvest has come, the very moment that, that, that the fruit is fully born, our Lord will reap that harvest. Now, we don't know what that means in full. You ask me, Pastor, what does that look like? What does heaven look like? What does the judgment look like? What does the day of reward and loss look like? We believe that we are safe, safe kept in grace. We believe that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if the kernel of the gospel of Jesus Christ has borne fruit in your life, then we believe that, that you are safe kept, that nothing can pluck you out of the hand of the Father, that once you're born, you can't be unborn. You are born again. So we believe these things on the authority of the Word of God. But we also believe that there's many warnings in Scripture as it relates to the manner in which we live the Christian life. We do not believe that that is unto damnation or unto heaven. We believe that that is unto reward or loss. Because there's many warnings in the Scripture of the man that will suffer loss before the, the, the judgment seat of Christ. We don't even know what that means. We don't even know what, the, what, what those rewards will be or what that suffering of loss will look like, except that we know it's going to happen and we know that the apostles uh, spent their lives exhorting us that we, we need to care. And that the word of God exhorts us again and again and our Savior taught us again and again in the parables that we need to care. What will that harvest look like? Well, it will look like the end of the world. It will look like Christ's kingdom coming. Yes, it will look like all of those things. What will it look like to, to suffer loss? What will it look like to gain those rewards? We do not know all of those things, but one thing that we are absolutely certain of that there's no ambiguity in Scripture about is that on the day of that harvest, you want to be full of fruit and that that ought to matter to us. On that day of harvest, all things will be made known because Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God will reveal all. And on the day we stand before our Lord, on the day that he harvests his kingdom, may it be that the little patch of earth in the field of this world that is your heart has not only borne some fruit, but has borne abundant fruit. Righteousness and good works aplenty. And you can't understand, nor can I, what it looks like to see that seed germinate grow and bear fruit. That's something God does and we don't understand it. We don't know how. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. And, and that's a process that is not for us to understand. That's certainly not a process that I can control. There's one part of that process that is mine. What does the soil of your heart look like? That is the part of the process that's mine. Am I listening? Are you listening, Christian? Is the soil of your heart ready to receive? Are you humble to receive the word of God with gladness? You don't, you don't, thank God, I don't have to be in control of producing God's righteousness in me. That's God's business. It's simply for me to prepare the soil of my heart and then let God, get out of God's way. Let God do his work. On that day that he takes that harvest, we bear that fruit, not because we have produced much fruit, but because the word of God has sprung forth in ready soil, the ready soil of our hearts, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. But it all comes back to this, Christian. Is your heart positioned to hear? Are you listening or are you proud? Are you listening or are you selfish? Are you listening or have you placed yourself on the throne of your own heart? Are you listening or have you elevated a love for this world above the things of the kingdom of God? Are you listening 
Or have you elevated your desire to be accepted among men, your desire to not have persecution, your desire to not have to face the trials and the tribulations that a refining process would ask of you? Because whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Because he that beareth fruit is purged that he may bring forth more fruit. At what point are you going to say, you know what, Lord, I understand I could bring forth more fruit, but in order to do that, I'm going to have to be purged. And you know what? Time for some rocky soil. I'm not interested in any more purging. I'm sick of being pruned. I'm sick of the refiner's fire. At what point is the soil of your heart going to dry up? Or are you going to keep it supple, ready for more? And that may mean some trimming, some pruning, some cutting back, some refining but all that you might bear more fruit. Are you willing? Are you listening? That's the part that you have control over and the only part that is yours to control. And then let God do what he will. Praise God for it. Say, pastor, how can I know whether I'm listening? How can I know if, if my heart is hard to the things of the spirit, the truths of God's word? What is the fruit well, it's not what you're doing because any man can produce stuff, right? Produce works. But what's the fruit of your heart? What is made known as the word of God shines into your heart? What will be exposed on that day? Who's the true you? Is that which is in your heart good fruit? You, again, we can sit here and we can fool each other all day. I can come and I can uh, clean myself up and I can cut my hair and I can put on my suit and I can present myself in this manner to you and that's all well and good. There doesn't have to be anything righteous in me for me to get up here and to present myself to you in this manner. The question is, on the day that the word of God shines its light into my heart, what's exposed? And what happens with that exposing? The, the question is, when the word of God, when the seeds of the word of God fall upon the soil of my heart, does it grow? Can it grow? Or do the things of this world snuff it out? Who are you, Christian? What's in your heart, Christian? This is born out of one of two things, either you or the spirit of the living God. That's, all, that's the only options. And on the day of harvest, the thoughts and intents of your heart will be discerned. And this is why hearing is so important because it really doesn't matter what Pastor Wickler thinks of you on this side of eternity. It really doesn't matter what your friends and family think of you on this side of eternity. What matters is what's going to happen on the day that the harvest comes. What will you have to show for it in eternity? Will there be fruit there or will it all be the shriveled up plants that were choked out by the thorns and the sun and the wayside of this world. One more parable in the text. Verses 30 to 32. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Now, once again, this is a somewhat familiar idea talking about a, a small seed that grows into a large tree. But in this case, we're not actually taught that it's not the parable here, right? There are no birds lodging in the branches of this one. That's not a part of this. These fowls lodge under the shadow of this herb, so this one's actually more uh, biologically correct to the idea of an actual mustard seed itself uh, as opposed to a seed the size of a mustard seed growing into a great tree and the fowls of the air are in its branches and the beasts of the earth rest under its shadows. That's a different parable. We're not talking about that parable. That's, that's a different thing. Similar illustration, different application. We're still talking about the kingdom of God. We're still comparing the kingdom of God and we're still talking about a mustard seed. And he says it's less than all the seeds. He uses a mustard seed because it's such a very small seed, but when it is sown, it grows up. And what was less than all the seeds that be in the earth grows to become greater than all herbs and shoots great branches. Now, mustard seeds produce quite large plants, sufficient to shade the fowl of the earth under its shadows as it bears much fruit. 
And so Jesus says, this is the kingdom of God. Now remember, this is not, Jesus is not giving the parables here of the kingdom of God growing great. That's Matthew. This is a different set of parables with a very different objective. Jesus says the kingdom of God begins small and just as a seed in the heart of man. So instead of talking about the kingdom of God in a broader sense, this is the kingdom of God in your heart. And as it bears fruit, it bears much fruit and there's much benefit and value given to it. A single small bit of the word of God can bear tremendous fruit if the soil of your heart is properly ready for it to grow. If only it would be allowed to grow, Christian. Such benefit, such power, such greatness. But it must be allowed to grow. You're not in charge of growing it. You're not in charge of that. That is God's business. The man that plants the seed and he gets up and he lies down and he has no idea the miracle of what God does to get that seed to grow into a plant. None of us do. My job is to make sure my soil is right. So our fourth point. Why is hearing so important? First, because nothing remains hidden. Second, because what is given must first be received. Third, because the day of harvest is inevitable. Fourth, because... Hearing is your only access to the greatness of the kingdom. Hearing is so important because it's your only access to the greatness of the kingdom. God has given us so great and precious promises. God has provided for us so much potential unto life and godliness. We have seen the greatness of the kingdom in the lives of those who have gone before us, in the lives of great Christian men and what they've been able to do the impact they've been able to have for Christ. Uh, we might talk about the great men of the past who have impacted through revivals and who have impacted um, uh, through great missionary works, but, but we can also talk about those men and those women that you know, those men and those women who have invested in their families, who have invested in their churches, who have been faithful in those places, and they have allowed the kingdom of God to grow great in their hearts, and they have greatly impacted generations of Christians in their own little area, in their own families, in their own spheres of influence. God has given us these things. God has given us salvation from the conscience of sin, the fruit of the Spirit, release from fear and guilt and shame, clarity where there was otherwise confusion, hope where there is otherwise fear, and that is greatness, Christian. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live with that conscience of sin. You can bear the fruit of the Spirit and exercise love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You can be that person. And maybe it is that history won't remember your name as we talked about a little bit this morning. But that doesn't make what the kingdom of God can do in you any less great. And all of this is, is given to the man. You're not asked to produce it. You're not even asked to understand it. You are simply asked to make the soil of your heart ready to put your soil, the soil of your heart in a place of humble receptivity in order that God might do that work in you that he's done in others. In order that God might produce the great plant of his word in your life through that little seed that he implants there so that God might bear his fruit in you. And when he does, take that seed and plant it into your heart and your soil is ready. There's not anything in the whole of the kingdom of God that you do not have access to. The whole of the greatness of the kingdom of God stands before you. All of its greatness contingent upon one thing and one thing alone. How's the soil of your heart? So we finish our passage today with verses 33 and 34. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them 
And when they were alone, he expanded all things, expounded all things to his disciples. So we find that through these parables, Jesus sought to separate the hearers from the non-hearers. And that as they were able to hear these things, not as they were able to hear like they, their ears were working, but as they were able to hear like their hearts were working, Jesus gave them more. And this is the kingdom of heaven. You want more? Receive what you have. God will give you more. And so it will be in every age, among every group of people. I preach the word not to make you hear, Christian. I preach the word so that those of us who are willing to hear will have something to hear. We share the gospel not to make anyone hear, Christian. We share the gospel so that those who are willing to hear have something to hear. We are responsible for the condition of no man's heart but our own. And yet on the day when we determine that we will hear, on that day the seed of the word of God that plants into my heart will bear much fruit. I can't control your heart. I cannot make decisions for anyone in here. There's only one person I can make decisions for, and that's me. I cannot even control what the Word of God does as it bears fruit in my heart. I can only control one thing, whether or not I allow it to. Whether or not my heart is ready soil. And on the day that it is, the greatness of the kingdom is open to me. Why is hearing so important? First, because nothing is hid that, that, that will remain that way. Nothing remains hidden. Second, because what is given must first be received. Third, because a day of harvest is inevitable and we want to be ready for it. And fourth and finally, because hearing, readiness of heart to hear is the only access that you have to the greatness of the kingdom. And when you hear, Christian, the greatness is you have access to it all. May we have ears to hear this evening. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jamin Wickler from Legacy Baptist Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. More information about Legacy Baptist Church and a library of sermons are available at www.legacybaptistchurch.net.